0: Welcome, everybody, to What's Up Fandom. My name is Josh, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, uh, someone who has probably uh, one of the best last names that I know of, mainly because it's my middle name. We have Meg Lloyd. How's it going, Meg?
1: Uh, even better now that I know that we share, like, 30% of our name.
0: I know. like, Do, do you go by, by Laloid? No. Oh, I, I like Laloid. Did we get that extra L? It's just like, it's, a, it's like a, you know,
1: so, someone once told me it's a Welsh name and the double L is pronounced more like a Y. So, sometimes I go by Yoid. Is it?
0: Wow. I had to no double check. Yeah.
1: It's, it's boring. It just means gray. The, the thought is that maybe it came from people who were like laundry washers. So, like when your stuff is gray, you take it to the Lloyd. Anyway. Uh, I don't know for sure. Maybe well, hey, this I, person was pulling my leg, we, but they we knew just, Welsh. So.
0: We've just learned so much right now on. The-
1: <laughs> I'm a fountain of information.
0: <laughs> um, so Meg, uh, just if you uh, just for some of our you know, guests who may not know uh, that much about you would explain a little bit about uh, what you do. Like what's your day to day? What are you doing? These wonderful now that it's 2021 and we're in a new era.
1: Oh my gosh! A brand new day. Um, hi, my name is Meg, and I'm a storyboard artist for animation out in LA. Uh, so my day to day is, I am. Sorry, there's a sound.
0: Um, it's the cat. And the cat. It's. It was.
1: It was the toilet. I have to fix a ring. It's leaky, oh. so like every once in a while, the tank will empty and it'll, it'll fill up Whatever. Oh. no hey i I completely understand that i just
0: moved in here i installed my bidet and it was just Mm -hmm. like no we don't want to work and i'm just like but why (laughs) and it's like i everything's like tight and everything and it's like there's just a constant drip but there's no water but i so but there's a drip and i there's no wet and it's like but where's this drip so like in my in my bedroom like there's a constant drip like all the time like i have no idea where this drip is anyway uh (laughs)
1: might have a cursed bidet. I'm just saying, ghost of a drip. All right, so uh, my day today, as a storyboard artist, I'm kind of like the first wizard on call when it comes to movie magic. I'm the person who takes the words from the script and translates them into the first round of pictures. So a storyboard artist uh, draws a rough version of the episode for review and notes for the director and the showrunner. Um, because it's much cheaper for one person to draw a quick version of the episode that can be reiterated and fixed two or three times Mm -hmm. than it is to send it all the way back to to animation before it comes back for fixes.
0: So how did you kind of get into, like, surely you weren't, you know, six years old and be like, I want to be a storyboard artist. Just to be like that, that seems like something odd. Like, how how did you kind of... Dis like get into storyboard toting
1: Well, you were a hundred percent right. I was not six, I was eight years old. That makes more and sense. And I read and you learn
0: a lot in those two years. Yeah. A lot about the animation process, how mm-hmm. things work, life.
1: So I've always loved behind the scenes on you know, movies, TV shows, all that stuff. Uh we had a bunch of those. Children of the 90s, remember, 80s and 90s, those VHS, those Disney VHSs with, like, the big, thick plastic covers, uh, a lot of them, geez. if you watch past the credits, would have little bonus making of behind them. And, like, add on to that, we also had the uh, Star Wars Um, special edition trilogy with the first round of extreme changes you know the cg java and like the extra musical number in return of the jedi
0: lucas was at the beginning and he was telling you all about it yeah
1: yeah i loved the quote-unquote boring tell you all about it stuff i was fascinated by it and then when i was eight um so my mom would take us to the public library all the time everyone in my family, voracious readers. And, you know, we'd pile ourselves up with fantasy and sci-fi and all this stuff. But my mom had a rule that you have to get, you know, like good for you books as well. So we'd always pull out biographies. And one biography I read was by Bill Pete, who was a storyboard artist um, back at Disney animation in the forties. And then he also illustrated like picture books and stuff and just reading kind of the description of his job, which was, very different back then from what it is today uh i knew that i wanted to get into animation and i wanted to be a storyboard artist and eventually a director and a showrunner and i was eight and so nothing was impossible and i'm like definitely that's 100 percent what i'm gonna do uh but you know life went on and as i got a little older and into you know junior high and high school no one ever really said this to me specifically but you sort of would get the gist that oh art's not a real job. So, you know, I draw for myself for fun, but I was gonna have a real job. So picture this, it's senior year of high school. Uh, I've just graduated. I've been accepted to the college for my choice, which was uh, Brigham Young University because I grew up in Utah and that's what a lot of people from Utah aspire to go to. Um, but I was going to go into international law and politics I was going to learn three languages, including Welsh, because I was interested in the history of my name. Um, and I was going to either translate for the UN or the Olympics. This this was the most real job I could possibly imagine. Uh, a very well respected. You were a very ambitious job.
0: cougar, like a very ambitious. Uh, yeah. BYU student. Yeah, definitely
1: Rise and shout the cougars are out. So I hadn't started college yet. I was working a summer job to pay for it. Um, someone in my neighborhood owned a stained glass studio. So I worked there for the summer, like cleaning the very intricate stained glass windows before they'd be sealed up in their weatherproofed glass and like okay. sent off places. And uh, just one day I was talking to one of my coworkers who was, currently going to BYU and he's like, what's your plan? And I rattled off my very real job. And he just looks at me and goes, you know, Megan, you uh, never talk about politics and you always talk about movies. I know you can draw. Have you ever thought about animation? And it was like my eight year old self just like exploded up from within me. Be like, I've always dreamed of. And he's like, it's a really serious program. And it's definitely a real job. And I was like, huh. And so I'm like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And so I haven't stopped
0: since. That's awesome. That's a lot better than I like history. I'm going to be a history teacher. Uh, <laughs> and then you look at the career path and it's like, oh, there's, there's nothing there. Like, it's like, if you want to go work in a museum, history teacher. Otherwise, it's like you get to be like a PE coach. So yep. they, take, they uh, take pretty much all that, unfortunately.
1: So, so history teacher, is that what you
0: wanted to be? That was what I was going to be. Yes, I was, it was going to be history. Um, I went to um, a not quite BYU. I went to OBU, which was the Baptist University in Oklahoma. Um, I did world religions and history and all the fun stuff because uh, that's what I wanted to do. Um, and then it didn't work out. <laughs> so just, you know, fun um, listen,
1: life is long. Life is mysterious and long and miraculous. You could always change your mind. You could always pursue something else.
0: Definitely. And I mean, that's what I did. Cause I mean, growing up, it was, it was very much, um, For me, and and uh, like it it was like I watched a lot of TV, I watched Mm -hmm. a lot of movies, I read a lot, I had a ridiculous imagination. So that was like where I was, you know, as as a kid. And so like watching all that stuff, I was like, oh, I really like this history stuff. I want to get in this history stuff. Um, But now it's like all of the useless knowledge I have from growing up in the nineties is all like, oh hey, here's all of this thing now. You know all of these things. You're in that nice middle age between you knew when there wasn't an internet and now there is internet. Mm-hmm. So this great little AOL dial-up cool stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, it's- Poppy,
1: someone,
0: someone made a cool uh, thing that I saw on Twitter where they, they took that dial-up and like remixed it and put like a, a really sick cover on it. And I was like, oh, I want that, that's so good.
1: You know what, Josh? Yeah, you liked that off of my Twitter feed. I saw that earlier.
0: That makes sense. That makes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, I saw someone post it. It was really cool.
1: I have incredible taste.
0: I mean, <laughs> a yeah, very I-
1: well curated Twitter feed. No, that's <laughs> not true. It's my it's my love of the moment. Uh, you'll know if I've had a hard day if it's ever like 11 p.m. and then I just start retweeting a bunch of bleach fan art because <laughs> that's like. The show I was obsessed with from like ages 14 to 20.
0: Oh, definitely. It's, okay, so here's the, the big question. We're gonna stay on Bleach for mm-hmm. a sec.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ichigo with who? Like, if Ruki,
1: you, yeah. Ichi Ichiruki forever.
0: Ichiruki is like, <laughs> Ichihime is terrible. Like that, it's, it's awful. It's like, I don't understand why I was, that's when I was like, okay, I'm done with this series. I don't care about it anymore. It doesn't matter. Man,
1: 2016 was hard. That was rough was bad. Like, that was for bad. lots of reasons. Um, Cause okay. Initially the worst thing that had happened to me in my life was the ending of bleach. And then a couple months later we had the election and I'm like, okay, you're spoiled and you need a better life perspective, but
0: it was still hard. Uh, my, my biggest one was like the ending of uh, Inuyasha, like oh, yeah? the original one where they're like, we're going to go find the jewel shards. And you're like, what? I, I've watched this for like seven and a half years the same episodes over and over and over <laughs> and you leave me with we're gonna go get naraku off screen uh yeah that's terrible um but yeah ich- Ichirukia, like mm-hmm. that was my that was my jam for sure
1: uh have you ever watched any of the stage musicals
0: no the only the only like stage musical that I've watched is like uh, or like live action like mm-hmm. anime adaptation is from uh here is greenwood which i believe is like kokua no green i don't know it's this like ridiculous thing like my uh my friend charlie she absolutely loves it because they're like the characters are so gay in it and i'm like <laughs> all right sure i'll watch it why not and i'm so it's like here you go and i'm like this is absolutely adorable. So. <laughs>
1: Uh, so they made a series of like 10 different Bleach musicals and they, they usually like most of them cover the soul society arc or they're like concerts where the characters are s- performing as themselves, like putting on these concerts, way fun. Orihime's uh, in the first one and then her and Chad vanish. And it's just Ichigo and Rukia singing love duets together.
0: I mean, you got to give the people what they want. Like. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like that was, to me, that was, that was a big betrayal. Like it, it hurt when that happened and you're just like, but why, why would you do this? This doesn't make any sense.
1: Hurt my feelings.
0: Yeah. It's like, he went to the soul. like, he literally went to the soul society to save Ruki. He didn't go to the soul society to save Orahime.
1: Who cares? Listen, she dried the rain from inside his heart. Oh, I, uh, bleach was my, my big. Okay. So. I've only done like three big online fandoms and it was Lord of the Rings and Bleach. um, And then in a, in a like little bit, Harry Potter. Um, But mostly it was, it was Lord of the Rings and Bleach. And I wrote, I was the sort of person who wrote like essays dissecting the different relationships and the symbolism found in the art and like all this stuff. And uh, I wanted I really wanted to make the live action movie from like in high school. I started actually writing a screenplay for it and everything. I, uh, I was, yeah.
0: You, you did that. I just did the fan fiction. That's what, that's what mm-hmm. I did. I was like, I want to make my own stuff just cause I don't like the way this is going. And yeah. it's taken too long. So.
1: Uh, I do have one. No, it's more than one. I wrote a Ichiruki uh au fic for uh the forum i was a part of bleach asylum they had like a halloween competition so i wrote a story for that and then i would just write little angsty one shots because that's what i like it's just little you know syringes full of pain but you know spiritual pain that you, you just read it and you're like that's so sad
0: uh yeah like um I mean yeah, like with with Lord of the Rings, like that was like the big like the first like s- big fandom cuz I mean like mm-hmm. Star Wars growing up was it, it was Star Wars um but yeah. like Lord of the Rings was like new. Like it was it was this new fresh hotness and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Legolas was there and elves were super cool. So uh,
1: Aragorn was there and and Aragorn was super cool. I was I was definitely a uh a race of men fan, the elves were cool, <laughs> but like Aragorn, Faramir, Boromir, those were my
0: boys. Yeah, but Legolas and Haldir, Haldir, Haldir just coming up yeah. and just being like, Aragorn, how about you? <laughs> and you're like, Haldir, my 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 words, sir. Like he was the best, uh, yeah.
1: Hellebron, tell me what is Gandalf for I much desire to speak with him. Oh. And now you're hearing that the taking the hobbits to isengard is now playing on loop in my head
0: oh man it's so good like i i I, that that was the first like movie soundtrack that i ever bought Mm -hmm. was like the fellowship soundtrack (laughs) just because it was good um and you had like there were part like you would get like the end of the prancing pony song where like they're all singing and it's just like them singing and i'm like this is great um it's good it's very good. Uh, so yeah, I, I did Lord of the Rings stuff. I did all that stuff. It was that was my jam back in the day. Mm-hmm, um. Mm-hmm. So so we talked about Bleach. Like what what else were you like super big into like back in back in the day? And it doesn't have to be like big popular stuff. Because I mean like my favorite yeah. movie is Starship Troopers. I think it is the perfect movie from start to finish. Um. It's got everything that you could possibly want in a movie. Uh. It's got Casper Van Deen uh mm-hmm, aliens mm-hmm. or bugs you kill the bugs um subliminal messages <laughs> uh everything that you could ever want so like what what's what's your what's your big thing
1: uh my big thing is probably uh Brandon Sanderson's books and Terry Pratchett's books okay and then only slightly less big is the Harry Dresden files by Jim Butcher so those were like the the three cuz um at the pace those three authors write, I would always have at least one or two new books from those like three main obsessions every year.
0: I is, remember, I, worked at, I worked at Walden Books back when that was a thing. Like before it was Borders, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> how long ago it was. So I worked at Walden Books and that was like, I remember stocking all of those. And we would like, especially the Jim Butcher books. It's like, yeah. you would have all of these Jim Butcher books and it's like we're constantly having to restock the Jim Butcher books. They're great. Like, oh man, um, but that was—it was that stuff was too scary for me. I'm—I'm I'm a wuss bag. I can't do—I can't do scary. Like, it's—it's it's hard for me. That's, that's um, fair.
1: That's fair. They're not. Listen, different strokes for different folks.
0: Yeah. I was—I uh, was. Oh god, what did I read? I—I've I read a bunch of trash growing up. <laughs> Just absolute garbage just full of star wars novels and oh
1: young jedi knights academy
0: i have the entire series of the young jedi knight academy all of it i got it all um it was oh man and like the republic commando stuff from like karen travis Mm -hmm. like absolutely love that stuff before she decided she no longer wanted to do star wars or they kicked her out or whatever happened with her in Star Wars, and then she mm-hmm, started doing mm-hmm. other things. Oh man, those were phenomenal books.
1: Truce at Bakura was probably my favorite Star Wars book. It's it's the one that picks up the day after Return of the Jedi ends, mm-hmm. and oh, that was so good. One of the one of the many difficult things about all the new Star Wars content is that the old EU
0: has been sort of struck from
1: history. I'm like.
0: Jason, Jamie Jason not being there is hurtful because it's like it's been mm-hmm. that's what it is. it's just been like it that's it's Kylo Kylo is Jason. that's what it is mm-hmm. um the whole arc of it we just don't get to see him when he's a lad and that's it. And it's like it's this it's the same thing um yeah, it's it, I was hoping I don't know about you. Uh, did you watch the season finale of The Mandalorian?
1: Not yet.
0: Never mind. I've, we're not going to talk about the season finale. But of
1: I live on the internet, so I know who shows up. I I know like the plot points of who shows up. Um, and I I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know in context like how well it works. But I'm a little bit like you know they read a lot of the Star Wars things already. Could we have a Star Wars thing without that?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was like. And like, they do like also like at the end. You know about the post the post credit scene? It's Boba Fett. He shows up and he's gonna take over. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Where? Where? (laughs) Um, he's. Uh, he's gonna take over Jabba's Palace, basically. Oh. That that's that. And it's like, oh, like everyone was like freaking out online about like you gotta watch the post credit scene. And I was like, okay. So we saw Luke and I was like, Mar Jade? Are we gonna get Mar Jade? Because that Tales would be really Jabba's cool, Jabba's palace. Just like mm. he shows up with the kid and it's like there's a lady there, and it's like, Oh, that's Mar Jade. That would have been really interesting. Would have be been super cool. But then they were like, No, Boba Fett TV show. And it's like Well, yeah, that already got leaked. (laughs) We already knew. We knew that. Yeah, but uh, the Star Trek to me has been well. That was like the big thing of my childhood, and Mm -hmm. like I had one friend that liked Star Trek growing up, and that was it. Oh no! Like I had no one else. It was just me and Oliver, and like we were Star Trekking it, and that was all we were doing. Um. But yeah, that was uh, like. What about you? Because I mean, like you, you've also because you you worked on uh, Jurassic World, Camp Cretaceous, mm-hmm. which season two premiered uh, today, Friday, Friday of, oh. of when we're recording this. Right. Who knows when this comes out? I think it's a couple weeks from Friday. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it, it dropped today. You can catch both seasons on Netflix now, um, and then you know maybe you listen to uh, our episode with uh, Scott and Eric. You know, maybe that we did a little uh, season one uh, episode. Maybe you know, watch that. Because um, yeah, you can listen to it, and it's on YouTube. Because we're on YouTube now, so we're cool like that. Um, yeah, like, check those out. Uh, but you've also worked on Star Trek Lower Decks. I did. Which I did indeed. Probably like I like like I really like Discovery.
1: Mm-hmm. Fully caught up
0: mm-hmm. on that. Haven't watched Picard yet. Um, but Lower Decks, I was like this is like the star trek that i wanted for a while this nice little like fun doesn't take itself seriously type of adult animation star trek um that's what i wanted and you've worked on that and i'm like that's phenomenal like i i want to talk with more people that work on star trek lower decks
1: yeah so my dad is a big tng fan of I guess we won't have a lot of Trekkies listening. My dad is a big fan of the Next Generation series we have, with Picard.
0: We do, have, we do have Trekkies that do listen. We've done right. quite a few Star Trek episodes. So they're there. They're not as cool. massive as the Star Wars fans, but they're there.
1: I'm glad they're here, and I love them. This is for accessibility reasons for the non-Trekkies. Uh, so my dad was always a huge fan of The Next Generation, which is the Picard series. And we would record episodes on VHS to like watch over and over and over. Um, my two favorites, which I guess as a, as a young child, these were weird Star Trek favorites to have. I loved the game where uh, everyone's playing with these headsets that end up hypnotizing them. And then my other favorite was uh, Darmok, where Picard is stranded on a planet uh, and the universal translator is working, but he doesn't understand the context of the words that the person trapped there with him is saying. It's great. I love those two episodes so much. It's um, phenomenal.
0: like the game. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's the one with, uh, Ashley Judd, right? Yeah,
1: probably. I, I haven't so. watched that one for, a
0: while. uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, th- th- nice. it's the one where Re- Wesley gets a kiss. So it's like, yes, it's, he does it's the Wesley kiss episode. Um, Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> and then, uh. De, oh, what was it? It was like, it's Damarc and Chadal, Ch- Chiral, Chadal. Darmak
1: and Jalal at Jalal. Tanagra.
0: I, it's been a while. It's been Dharmak
1: a while. and Jalal on the ocean. Oh, um, so when Voyager started coming out, it was sort of like, it was the same thing. Like my dad was a big original Star Wars trilogy fan. So when the prequel trilogy came out, me and my sisters were so excited because this was like a new Star Wars just for us. Um, admission, I really loved the prequel trilogy when it came out because I was 10 and it was amazing. I wanted to be a pod racer. Uh, and so when Voyager started coming out, my sister and I also like really bonded with that one. So I am a huge Voyager fan. I love Janeway. Uh, I love Star Trek. And so after I was done with Camp Cretaceous, um, the people over at Titmouse are like, oh, hey, well, so what happened is my manager had submitted me for the Nickelodeon Star Trek series. Mm -hmm. And
0: she's like- Prodigy, right? Prodigy, "Prodigy." Yeah. yeah.
1: And my agent's like, oh, you're a Star Trek fan? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to be on Prodigy. And she's like, okay. And when she found that out, she also submitted me to Titmouse for Star Trek Lower Decks. And thankfully, Lower Decks was looking for board artists at the time. And I got to go work on season two.
0: Yeah, so. that's, I, I am so, like, when when that came out, we did a, CBS was super cool, they sent us, like, the first four episodes, and Ooh. I was, like, awesome, CBS, you're great, um, but they were, like, you can't talk about them, <laughs> so I'm, like, <laughs> all right, so we did an, ep- we did one Lower Decks episode over the first, like, two episodes of Lower Decks, and then we kind of, like, without spoilers, talked about episodes three and four, um, nice. But yeah, that was, it's, it's good. Like that, that last episode with all the lens flares, the holodeck oh episode was yeah. it's phenomenal. Just all the little stuff. So how does, how does that, uh, how does like, uh, as a storyboard artist, how mm-hmm. does it uh, like, so you, you get the script yes. and so you're, you're writing everything out. How, what's the process of you going from script to, uh, screen screen yeah I was gonna say script to uh, sketch but I was like script to sketch doesn't sound as cool but script to screen sounds better
1: yeah um so when the writers have already been working and developing this project with the showrunner and like with the writers team for several months by the time it gets to us so there's already a very clear idea of like kind of where the script you know needs to go but you really can't know if something's working until you see it so uh board artists usually come in a team usually like a team of two or three per episode and then you have a director that's over each team and so shows will have multiple board artists and director teams like this so on lower decks i think we had three teams um camp cretaceous i think we also have like like three teams and so if as you Check the credits at the beginning of the episode. You usually see directed by, and then there are board artists. Um, Director divides it up and says, you do this section, you do this section, you do this section. Sometimes it's by, uh, for example, in Camp Cretaceous, uh, episode two, I did all of the scenes that just had particular characters in them. So I did, you know, scene three and eight, 12, 15, and it was all spread out. I just followed those characters all the way through. Um, but in something like episode five, they're like, all right, you just have the middle section of the whole episode. Um, it just depends on, uh, sometimes directors will shuffle it around. So if you did a lot of heavy lifting, like a big action sequence on one episode, they'll give you something maybe a little more fun and not quite as millions of drawings heavy for your, for your next round. Uh, first things first is I read my script five or six times. Like I'll read the whole script through, and then I'll just read through my own sections. And what I like to do is take a pencil and just put in a little mark every time I imagine the camera angle changing. Um, And for every storyboard artist, the next part is a little bit different. Some people like to just draw a nice version of it right off the bat. Some people do a little tiny thumbnail version of what their shots are gonna be. but I've always been such a a voracious reader that I like to write out a list and describe all my shots first. And so I'll write out kind of like my checklist of, okay, wide here. So we see the two characters walking together, then we're over the shoulder here. And this will be like a close up, and this will be this. Uh, And I'll watch it through my head two or three times. And then I'll draw a very like rough, you know, you mentioned earlier that you're a stick figure. This is kind of like one step up from stick figures, maybe like block figures, where you have the circle for the head, but maybe just like a rectangle to show where their shoulders and stuff are. I'll do a version like that, and then talk it over with my director to be like, "Hey, this is where I'm thinking of taking this sequence." And sometimes the director is just like, "Oh yeah, 100. That's that's great. You know, take that take that into the next step." Or sometimes they'll be like, "Oh." Maybe you could have fewer shots here, or maybe you could cut in an insert here. So it's it's teamwork at this point because the director's lived with this episode for a little bit longer than you have. Yeah. Um and it's always great to have someone to bounce off. And uh, I miss being in an office where sometimes I could just spin around to you know my group of board artists around yeah, like, me and hey, be does like this
0: work or yeah.
1: mm-hmm. it's like yeah. this is this readable? That's that's the phrase we use. Oh, is this readable? Can you tell what's going on here? Uh so the As a board artist, I generally have the episode, it depends on the production, but usually around six weeks. And the first half of it, I'll do a very rough pass over the first three weeks and draw out my entire assignment, uh, which is usually around eight pages worth of script or about eight minutes of the final 22 minute episode. And then when the roughs are done, you have pitch day or your roughs pitch which is my favorite. I love pitching boards. Um, cause this is one of the things in that Bill Pete autobiography that I really loved. And it's the old version of pitching is where story boards actually got their name. Cause it used to be, you'd write them on, uh, almost like large index cards. Yeah, you just you'd draw your picture board and you mm-hmm. would see
0: this cool, like, these are the scenes that are happening here and these are the scenes that are happening here. And then like, these are the plot points that we have to hit and where everything's going to go. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Just like that. Um, well now with <laughs> the advancements in technology, uh, you can have your boards blown up really large, almost like a slideshow. And so you've got either the keyboard you're clicking through, or sometimes a clicker in your hand and you Go through everything you've drawn, and in this meeting, you'll have your director, your showrunner, and usually reps from the other departments, like either animation, design, lighting, like anyone who's going to have a creative hand on this episode, they come to the rough pitch meeting. Um, And so you act out your whole sequence with all the voices. And, you know, I, there's this one time, okay, this isn't a spoiler. So something got cut. There was going to be a scene with a Parasaurolophus in one of my Camp Cretaceous episodes. And it was the first time I'd ever had to say Parasaurolophus. So like I had to look it up online. And I just remember the three minutes before the pitch just repeating Parasaurolophus. Cause I kept calling it like a the Pachyceph- And once you stumble on a pitch, weird. you're done for Yeah, Pachycephalosaurus. No, um, I remember working really hard to be and the Parasaurolophus jumps out of the bushes. Wah! Uh, and so when you're done pitching through your whole sequence, um, everyone in the room gives notes. They can be like, oh, it's a, it's a technical issue. We don't have ropes that can do what you've done. Or it's something like, Hey, you've built, you know, you've shown you have three versions of this asset. We only have two versions of this asset. Um, so there's budgetary and time concerns that are brought up in that meeting, but then there's also storytelling concerns. So thus poor parasaurolophus that i have practiced pronouncing so long someone's like sort of random it just pops up out of the bushes huh and i'm like yeah i guess and they're like, like have you know never
0: what? been on the jurassic world ride <laughs> at universal like it just goes Rrr, and then like shoots the water out the nose like it's crazy you know you mm-hmm. don't see it coming
1: yeah and they and so someone will be like oh uh I think this scene moved kind of slow or there was something brought up in such and so sequence that we should plant in an earlier sequence. So rough pitch, you discuss both the emotional story concerns and the budgetary design concerns and everybody gets a list of notes from all over. And then the storyboard artists have another three weeks to draw a much more clean version. Usually uh, things will be more posed out. So if you like specific acting, you'll draw more of the frames. Um, Some people are really fast, they can like fully animate their storyboards. That's not the sort of person I am. Um, But I'll pick kind of tentpole really important moments and like, spend a lot more time there. But the important thing is that everything is clear. um, And that everything is at a high enough level of consistency that it can cut together with sound and music. At that point, I'm done. And I pass you know, my board's down the line and I start the next episode, but after me, the revisionists and the director will have it for another six weeks. Cause when I'm done, like I said, it's cut with sound and music, all the people who came to the rough pitch, they watch it again to see like where their notes and changes came in and then they give more notes and changes. And so it goes through two or three more iterations like that um, before it finally leaves the story department and goes on to lay out an animation.
0: So if something happens and they need to, um, say rewrite something real quick, Mm -hmm. um, is is that just something that will go into like, they'll, they'll figure out on the animation side. um, No,
1: no, that's, that's something. Does that
0: go back to you guys?
1: Yeah. So, uh, if it's something they figure out in the rough pitch, the board artists will usually make those changes. Uh, if it's something they figure out after, then the, um, the revisionist says something they'll take care of. If it's a big enough change, they can ask the writers for like a rewrite. But if it's something like, oh, the fight sequence isn't really clear, can you restage the action from a different angle? That's the sort of fix that a board artist or a storyboard revisionist would do. Um, So being a storyboard revisionist is kind of the entry level, that's the entry level position for a board artist is you would start out as a revisionist. So you don't have Eight pages of script to do, but if you know the notes come through after the board artists are done, and they're like, "Oh, hey," sometimes revisionists can do something as simple as such and so character should be wearing a hat through this sequence. Please go and draw the hat on all the frames. And then sometimes or we destroyed it's, the jeep
0: yeah. in the last episode. Please remove exactly. the jeep.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, stuff like that. Um, sometimes it can be it can be a bigger chunk to be like, "Oh, you know." Megan didn't really do her best on this scene. Uh, we're gonna have you redo it. Just kidding, it's literally never happened. One time I thought it would happen. <gasps> there was a time I really dropped the ball on a scene and I had to turn in the roughs instead of the cleaned up version. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. Uh, the revisionists are great. They'll have the revisionists do it. Uh-uh. They left my roughs there cause they were readable. You could tell what was happening. And so I remember when we were all as a team, because uh, one of the things on uh, Camp Cretaceous that was really fun, and also a different show I was on, Harvey Street, is they would invite everyone to watch the final animatic, which was really exciting to see like the work that all the story team has, has done. Um, don't really get to do that when we're all doing the work from home, but that yeah, was something yeah. I, I really loved on some of the previous shows, is everyone would watch it. And so the scene comes up and I'm thinking, oh, it'll be fixed, it'll be nice. Oh, and it was my really bad, like, scribbly drawing. So I'm, like, sliding down in my chair being like, oh, no. But they sent that through to animation. And, and hey, animation made it we'll gorgeous, never know. of course. We'll never, never know, know, know what
0: episode it was. We'll never know what scene. Because I mean, makes not telling. I'm telling nobody.
1: Ask me back in, like, three years, and maybe I'll <laughs> tell you.
0: Three years it's- when uh, Camp Cretaceous, because of DreamWorks' schedule, is probably on season seven. Um, mm-hmm. just because you know how they like to do it. I mean, they popped all of three seasons of Kipo out in a year. So it's mm-hmm. like, eh, you know, you never know. <laughs>
1: so there's, there's something that's interesting about that is, uh, so it used to be that seasons of much longer numbers of episodes would drop. But the thing is with streaming services um, is they want higher engagement with their site. And it turns out no matter how many episodes you drop, people will binge them all at once. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to have more engagement with your site, you drop s- smaller batches of episodes. And there were a couple um, earlier DreamWorks series. Like uh, I think this happened to she and Voltron where they would split the season in half and just drop half of it at a time, which left kind of some weird, not exactly cliffhangers, but, you know, they, they clearly Just, yeah, weren't season finale weird, episodes. Weird ways at
0: the way that the show flowed. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause like the same thing happened with, uh, well, it, it didn't happen with uh, um, Troll Hunters. Cause like the yeah. way they did like the first bit of Troll Hunters, it's like, you see where they wanted to do a stop because mm-hmm. it's literally the next episode and there's a time skip. Yeah, like, yeah three months and you're like, wait, what happened? We were just here. And it feels like they wanted to do it, but then yeah. that's why I think that first season's like longer than any of the other seasons.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have no part in distribution and this is a hundred percent conjecture only. Um, but it feels like Netflix tried a couple different lengths of seasons, uh, before they decided, do you know what? Shorter seasons like Kipo like camp Cretaceous, um, And they knew ahead of time, and so now those shows are able to write like eight episode or you know six episode arcs uh, at a time.
0: Yeah, I mean, which which is nice because I mean it does Mm -hmm. mean that we don't you tend to have to wait you know two to three years in between seasons like we used to. Yeah, they're long. heaven forbid if it's coming from Japan, uh, and we wait six and a half years for a localization to happen. But yeah, so it's yeah, like I, I I do like the way that they do that model. Uh, it is it is interesting. Um, but yeah, I are I can't imagine having to do what you're doing right now at home. Um, just because, I mean, like I've I've been to DreamWorks. That campus is amazing. There's a koi it's pond. Beautiful. There's yoga. Uh, there's cafeteria. There's a big Shrek. Uh, it's a, it's a really cool place um, to be. Uh, and yeah, just having to be in your apartment all the time I'm sure is not super duper fun
1: well you know the Shrek is haunted so it moves listen the things on wheels and I didn't like 100% register it so Shrek was at a specific place when I came to work the first few days and then all of a sudden Shrek is in a completely different place in the courtyard and I'm like that's a big Shrek. That's like a life-size Shrek, and you know how big he is next to
0: Fiona. Yeah, I'm
1: at least eight inches shorter than her, so it's a big Shrek. And I'm like, is it sentient? Is it real?
0: Uh, see, like when I've gone, like I've, I've I've gone three times, and it's been in the same spot all three times. So now I'm like, well, now that I know that it can move, now I'm gonna be like looking, be like did he move? Did he move somewhere?
1: Yeah. Working from home has been difficult because the, the story department is, you know, a story team and you can still, you know, uh, message people and, you know, have zoom conversations and things, but it's just not the same.
0: No, it's not. The, uh, yeah. And I, I just started a new job. Like for, for, a, I started a job again at a company that I used to work for that I moved back for. Um, and I, so I, I worked there for three years previously, so I know exactly how everything operates. Mm-hmm. And now that we're all work from home, like I was used to like just swivel chair over and be like, Hey, can you come look at this real quick? Yeah. Uh, and now you can't do that. Now it's like, mm-hmm. hold on, let me pop up a zoom break room and then <laughs> let me bring you over and I'll pull you into the break room and then I'll share my screen. And it's just not as. Yeah. And sometimes someone's still on mute and you're like, I didn't catch any of that. It's just, yeah. Nice.
1: I missed that. There are positives though. Uh, you can't see cause my camera's tilted up, but there is definitely a nap station on the floor behind me. Sometimes in the middle of the day, I just, I stretch out and I take, take, take a little snooze. Uh, I can get my eight hours in whenever I want to get my eight hours in. Um, and I just, uh, I don't know. There's, there's pluses and minuses to yeah. consistent work from home. I do think once everything open, opens back up, I will prefer to be in an office to get, you know, that work-life balance going again.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's very hard. Cause it's like, when work's over, I have to leave this room for like, when, when we started, like I had to leave like for an hour. Cause I'm like, I have to like not be in the workspace. Yeah. Even if I just go downstairs, like I just need to be out of the work environment. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, so yeah, like I've got the studio and then the bedroom and then the downstairs. So it's like, well, I can go to either here or here for an hour. And it's like, maybe we'll go watch some YouTube. And that's what we do. Um, just to unwind. Um, speaking of unwinding, you have a bunch of stuff on your bookshelf behind you. I want to know, I want you to pick one thing from your bookshelf and I want you to tell me about it. All right. So, uh, what did you choose?
1: I actually picked two things because I'm a greedy guts. I know, but-
0: I say say that we used to do top fives on the show. I Uh would choose like all of the Thundercats as like one. So it's like one, it's all the Thundercats for best cat. It's like, (laughs) really it's like, yeah. And I'll tell you about every single one and why they're great.
1: So I have never worked on a show with toys before you know, um, there, there may be like little happy meal things or just like little tie in things, but I mean like serious, awesome collectors toys. And for my birthday this year, my sisters uh, all pitched in and got me the colossal Indominus figure, uh, from the Camp Cretaceous line of toys. So like it has the characters that I worked on, like on the box set and everything. This toy is a Amazing. I can't even fit it in the entire zoom shot in in one and I've scooted my chair back from the camera plenty. Uh, It's got beautiful like joints in its tail. It's like really posable in the legs and arms. And not only that, but there is a hole in its mouth. You can put smaller toys down there and then it's got a compartment you can fish them out of later.
0: Yeah, that's like the old uh, T-Rexes that they used to have like for Jurassic Park because I had one mm-hmm. of those massive T-Rex ones. Um, but that's super cool that you they got you the one from the show and not like from the movie. That's super cool. Yeah.
1: Um, so I actually have a lot of other dinosaur toys that I bought myself because, and I can tell you this because season two is out, there is a pretty big action scene in season two with a lot of dinosaurs and vehicles and characters. Um, and I know, cause you know, like I said, uh, I write it all out and then I thumbnail it and then I rough it and then I finalize it. And I knew if I did that, if I tried to do this huge scene three times, I'd burn myself out and I'd be no good on the next episode at all. So I bought like $150 worth of toy vehicles and figurines and dinosaurs and they weren't like Jurassic version anything I got some Star Wars figurines that were the right set to like go on the motorcycle and fit in the jeep and I spread a bunch of like I put a gray sheet on the ground and I hung up a blue sheet for the sky and I went home one day and I took a photo version of the entire set and I I have um you know, like pictures of really up close of my very cheap, malformed plastic dinosaur toys being like, okay, and then they they run like this, and then these characters come in here, and so I didn't present it to the showrunners. I was too embarrassed to do that. But that's what I used to present to my director to be like, here's what I'm thinking of doing for this huge action sequence. Um, and so, listen, you just sometimes you just have to do it works.
0: But here's the thing, you didn't post it. <laughs> toys. Is- You you didn't post it for the or give it to them, but Mm -hmm. I think you should post it on social. (sighs) Maybe That would be amazing.
1: Here's the thing is that um, the work that I do for the studios I do technically belongs to them.
0: Uh, Yeah, you're right.
1: And uh, we haven't gotten the go ahead to share our work yet. I believe we will eventually, believe me, when we can there is stuff that's better when you
0: can when i I can i would love to uh
1: because i was i was watching it today um and every once in a while i'll be that uh leonardo dicaprio pointing meme and i'll be like i drew that we're like hey that's my plastic toy (laughs) um but the the other thing i grabbed is one of the books off my shelf uh, so this is Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson. He's one of those authors I mentioned, like really loving in, in high school and stuff. Um, I have two different sets of his books on here because uh, now it's the 10 year anniversary of all of these. I just hit myself in the headphones with this giant book. It's the 10 year anniversary of these books and they're releasing very fancy leather bound ones. So you got the, they the, the fancy look great.
0: Barnes and Noble one yeah. with like the yep. Bible covers with the gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey, I know all about Zoom that. Call. I got Jurassic Park like that. I got War of the Worlds like that. I, I'm, I'm all yeah. there. I got you.
1: Uh, so to wind down, I actually do more storyboards. Um, I'll pick scenes from books I like or musicals or podcasts and the sort of stuff I don't have time to do at work or the sort of stuff I don't get to do at work. For example... I've I've done a lot of kids TV. They don't like explicit violence in kids TV. Yeah. Sometimes you want to draw people with giant swords trying to kill each other. Um,
0: it's that Lord of the Rings in you, or that bleach that in you. Even rings,
1: but it's listen. It's definitely the bleach. The <laughs> giant swords. It's a hundred percent. So I've got, and I'll talk about them on my socials every once in a while. Being like, oh wow, I have this huge project from Wicked or I have this huge Dresdenfels project. You guys are going to love it when it's done. There are things that I noodle on and ah, it's been four years and I haven't finished any of like the big giant ones, but I will someday, I will someday.
0: Well, we, yeah, you gotta have that, you know, nice little, you know, mm-hmm. unwind. And it's it's cool that you're doing that with, you know, you know books and, and podcasts and plays and musicals. Yeah. And like, that's super, that's really interesting. Um, Because
1: one of the things that got me into this creative path I'm on, um, besides just the general interest, and that's what I want to do, and you as a reader, I think, will understand is just the heartbreak of when something you love gets a bad adaptation. And I I remember being six years old. Oh, there it is. It came back in. There you go. The six. Watching the Black Cauldron movie and my mom being so disappointed because back to that Lloyd, Lloyd Alexander, that author. We got those books because, oh my gosh, she has our same name. Um, my mom was so disappointed at the Disney Black Cauldron. And she's like, someday, Megan, you're gonna make that movie and you're gonna make it right. And I'm like, yeah, someday I am. I don't think she remembers that, but I
0: remember. you, You joke like that. I've been wanting to reboot Black Cauldron for the longest time. Like, I'm like, we need a, like, it, no movie. No, we don't need a movie. We need a series. We need a series of Black Cauldron. That is what we need.
1: Okay, so picture this. Game of Thrones for kids. No. Um, we film it with, like, serious sincerity. Like the, I think they were really going the right direction, Disney and Walden, when they were doing the Narnia
0: mm-hmm. books.
1: the first The first one, anyway. Um, but it's really yeah, hard to fit after that. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to fit a book into a film because books and films are paced so incredibly different and like your rising, falling action and like where you have your act break. Anyway, I agree with you. I 100% agree. It should be a series. It should be a series on Disney Plus. And I really want it to do so that. It should so be yeah, a series I'm on
0: Disney Plus. Like yeah. the fact that it's not, like, hurts me inside because I'm like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we'll talk afterwards. Okay. we'll talk afterwards um but yeah it's it's one of those i'm just like man it would be so cool if we could do that like that, that's the one thing that i've been wanting. i've been wanting black cauldron because like i like that movie like mm-hmm. I, i'm still like it's still a fun movie like i would like to know because like there there's so many stories behind that like yeah. the dude who was in, in charge of it uh, wanted it to go mm-hmm. out, but then some other guy at Disney like locked himself in the room and was like cutting it up because he was like it's yeah. too scary for kids. And I'm like, I yeah. want that version. Like, Me too. I would love to see the too scary for kids I want to version, see
1: the dark version.
0: Because like I... there's scenes that just cut, and you're like, oh, well, what happened there? Yeah. Why was why did we even do this scene?
1: I think kids have a lot more emotional intelligence than we give them credit for, and I don't mind kids media being very intense or very frightening. So long as the characters in the media have the chance and the space to work through those emotions themselves. Yeah. I think it's much more valuable for kids to have a mirror of here's how you deal with big emotions instead of let's shield them from it hundred percent of the time. Yeah, but uh, but kids also
0: deserve light fluffy stuff too. Kids I mean, deserve the world. Here's the thing: we can give them light and fluffy. They got mm-hmm. you know the child from the Dwelling Mandalorian. And, they, can, oh, they, yeah. they have baby Groot. They can have light and fluffy. But then we also need you know a little bit more. You
1: know, crazy <laughs> Game stuff. of Thrones for kids.
0: Yeah, which is Game <laughs> of Thrones for kids. It's all it is. Mm-hmm. Mainly because like the biggest the biggest thing to me with that is like I I want on Way to actually be part of the princesses because mm-hmm. she's still not and it still hurts nope. like
1: disney princess marketing is wild so i was working down in florida um when brave came out i was a um, I was in the entertainment division big air quotes uh at the disney parks you could say i knew the character's inside and
0: out so you were friends with the characters yeah
1: i was friends with a lot of the characters um and i remember when they had this big fancy coronation ceremony for merida to welcome her into the disney princesses uh that line is and and i also remember that that was when they did the fancy redesign of all the princesses to make them hip and modern and Mm -hmm. sparkly and they made them all skinnier. I mean, these girls are thin to begin with. They made them skinnier. They like put heavier makeup on everyone. They like really low cut yeah, shirts like and everything's dramatized. Like, and... Let's
0: go ahead and show a little bit more. And you're like, oh, right. my, my goodness, Aurora doesn't need that.
1: Yeah. And it's frustrating the very, very strict dichotomy in which we market boys stuff and girls stuff um, and that, uh, I don't know if, okay, we're, we're hey, right now, but that's yeah. uh,
0: was, when we did the, uh, when we did the rebrand, like, cause we mm-hmm. were originally animation station podcast and we pretty much okay. did everything animation, but then you kind of get bored with that because you do animation, just talk about it every week for three years. It's like, mm-hmm. mm, let's change it up a bit. Um, yeah. so but it's, yeah, it's, we, we were originally yeah. going to call it tangents. And that's like cute. the fans were going to be tangerines and like a whole, we oh. had a whole like orange theme going and it was going to be great. But then it was like, nah, it's stupid.
1: I would have called them fangents. I think tangerines is much cuter.
0: Oh, fangents is good too though. But now um, they're subwoofers because when they subscribe, so what, yeah, they're subwoofers. Yeah. I
1: love that. But yeah, so um as much as we love the idea that stories are the only reason people pay to make media, uh, marketing, advertising, t- toy sales. Oh, wait, it's not up there anymore. Oh my gosh. The Indominus has escaped. Um,
0: we have problems. There, you should there, are, run.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there are all these really big factors into like making shows successful. And I, I, I wish there was more cross pollination between the people making the stories and the people doing the marketing, but they're two like very, very different skill sets. I get that. I don't know if you've heard the, the online mostly confirmed rumor that like green lantern was doing too well. The green lantern animated series was doing too yeah, well in the female why. demographic and they didn't axe it because they hate women. They asked it because they needed a show solidly in the boys demographic and green lantern wasn't performing the way that they wanted and it's just it's so frustrating because you have these super strict lines of boys should like this girls should like this for one it leaves absolutely no space for gender non-conforming or like trans kids and for another one it's like you know children are very complex boys are many things girls are many things and just Can't people just like stuff? There you go. That wasn't a very compelling, concluding argument.
0: Well, hey, I'm I'm right there with you. Because, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, when you find out why some of your favorite shows get canceled, (laughs) and it's just like, oh, it didn't sell toys, so you canceled it. But it was doing so well in everything, but you canceled Young Justice because it wasn't selling toys. It's like- I that doesn't make any sense
1: does not compute
0: yeah it's it's weird and yeah like like what you said like the world is different from when it was heck five ten years ago the world is completely different Mm -hmm. um we're more aware of things now and it's like just play to everybody's strength and like i i like that that's like what some of the and and it's weird because like it, it's it, I don't feel like it's really happening for like the animation, um, mm-hmm. currently, like we're still like picking like our individual demographics, but yeah. like for the younger kids, like you have more stuff like that. Was like yeah, we've got you know like I have uh, we did our two hundredth episode. It was episode true hundred, and we did true in the rainbow kingdom, um, just because I had a you know 3 year old boy that was staying with us and he loved watching true uh, and it was like okay it's like th- this is a thing and then i got somebody else on who also had a 3 and a 4 year old boys <laughs> who loved watching true so it was like oh. all right well let's go ahead and do 200 our 200th episode which we'll just call it true because puns and like i like that animation for younger kids is evolving Um, To where it's like, it doesn't matter. Like she's a girl character. You're a boy. It doesn't, who cares? If you, if you like the show, like the show. Um, And I I like that, but it doesn't feel like that's where we're, we haven't really gotten there yet with, you know, teenage animation yet. I don't feel.
1: There is a huge unmined space of incalculable potential in the young adult market it's it's bleach it's what we were into when we were teenagers it's a uh, serialized storytelling that has compelling characters high stakes consequences drama like all this stuff but without a lot of the like you know it had violence but maybe not gore it yeah. had like innuendo but maybe not like overtly sexual content and scenes that kind of is is an earmark of adult animation and i i just want to make stuff in that space i want to make stuff that's like the hunger games but in a serious animated space
0: yeah that may be that may have you having to go to maybe france or canada for that you may have to go not here because in america it's still like fart and poop jokes like that's that's where we're at still for you know boys humor yeah that's why they still sell like squishy like gack and like ew, these are trash things and you're like why Like it's we shouldn't be selling that
1: anymore (laughs) i i think we're getting there very slowly i think shows like Kipo are pushed towards that space. I think a lot of the work that Titmouse is doing right now, uh, especially something I'm super excited for, is the Critical Role TV yes. series. It's based off of a real play D and D podcast. I'm a fan of those. But my cat, his name is Taco. He's named for the Adventure Zone.
0: I was gonna say, like, <laughs> I, I got a quick question. Did Taco yeah. ever find all of the? I stopped listening just because, like, it, it got too long. Like the D&D stuff for me, it just got too long, especially the critical role stuff. Cause it's like, when you have like three hours an episode Mm -hmm. trying to listen to that or watch it, it's like, I don't, I don't have time anymore.
1: Well, uh, I don't know if this would tickle your fancy, but they have, are putting out graphic novels of the adventure zone podcast
0: like of the actual episodes of the
1: actual episode so they're uh illustrated by carrie peach and they're uh adapted and rewritten uh mostly by clint mcelroy who played merle the dwarf yeah. but um each of the arcs have been condensed into a single graphic novel for each of the bigger story arcs uh the first three are out the fourth might be available to pre-order now but anyway the art is amazing carries fantastic and like the dialogue is screamingly funny and it's it's sort of like a, a best of of the podcast if listening to 69 nice episodes of the adventure zone just isn't for you
0: real quick I feel like I have to go dark too because oh no yeah, that just the, like, sun, the sun went down that makes me too bright oh wait um, it's all right
1: I have a lamp I can step on no it's fine
0: it's fine, it's fine um yeah like. That, that's the reason I, I wasn't, like, super big in, like, the, the Vox Machina ones because it's, like, mm-hmm. I get it. It's, it's it's the backstory stuff, and it's, like, yeah cool, but I don't particularly care about that. Like, I want them to, you know, I want to see the Briarwood arc in, in yeah. comic form. That's what I want to see. Mm-hmm. I want to see uh, Grog die in comic book form. Like, that's what I kind of want. That's the stuff that I want. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, <laughs> that's, like, 17 years ago, it seems. <laughs> Um that is yeah, I mean yeah, we're not talking uh mighty nine, so we're we're okay there. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, you know, we're all right. <laughs> um you teach Grog to read. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that was so good. I, I used to watch these uh this person they would do that and they would like make little mini mations, and mm-hmm. it was just like little like QC versions of that, and it's just like they would just take the bit from the episodes and animate it, and I'm like, it's so good. It's like, ah, uh, and just like him and Pike and just like, it's so it's adorable. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, D&D, go play it and watch Critical Role.
1: Uh, So four years ago now, can you believe it? Um, I got the chance to direct an animated trailer for the Adventure Zone for their podcast. So it's, it's not for the TV series. And again, it was four years ago and I look back on it fondly, but I definitely look back on it with a critical eye uh but you can find it on the McElroy's family YouTube channel and it's almost to like 1.8 million views which is exciting but um I did it with a group of friends and like other fans that they knew uh it's just it was a fun little it was a fun little project it was like right before Taz got super super big but it was still like well known enough on the internet that they did it and they oh my gosh they screened an unfinished cut of it at podcon which I got to go to and honestly that was like the best day of my entire life was watching uh, an auditorium full of people like
0: screaming Explode. as they watch something yeah. I
1: directed yeah
0: that's awesome oh Meg this this was super fun um you're we, we should have you on again for something else anything I else whenever you want to come on it. you're you're invited
1: my gosh, I have so many thoughts and opinions about so many things and and so the biggest drawback to being a storyboard artist is besides the writers, we're the people who have to wait the longest for our stuff to come out. So not only that, but uh, a lot of the stuff that I'm working on now hasn't even been announced yet.
0: Yeah. I, and so yeah doing voiceover, I know all about that. There's a there's a thing that I recorded for Netflix back in 2018, still not announced yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I don't know what you think about it. What's going to happen. Um,
1: I would love to come back and do an episode called dream project where we just talk about how we would uh re-adapt bleach <laughs> if we were making it to a new series. I just want to come talk about bleach. That's really, that's all I want to do. Where you know, We just,
0: we, we used to have a thing every May called anime. And it was like, so every, like, cause like, I don't know. Anime is weird now. Um, mm-hmm. So it's harder and harder to watch. Um, so like it, basically it was just like, we're going to talk about like Tenchi Moyo and like Gundam Wing and like Cowboy Kay. Bebop and stuff like that, just cause it's easy. Um, mm-hmm. So I would love to do a bleach one. Um, maybe we don't wait till May this year. Maybe, maybe we get a little bit sooner because who knows what's going to happen in May. It's 2021. No one knows.
1: There, may, there could not be a May this year.
0: Yeah, they could just cancel it. <laughs> may got canceled. Yeah. Um, do you have any advice for uh, aspiring artists out there?
1: Yes. Look at real life as you draw go to, well, okay, I guess you can't go to museums, but look up history from museums, research countries around the world, not just like what things look like, but like what's their main export? What are their holidays and everything? Because every piece of information you have can turn into an interesting facet of personality that you bring to your own art. So study, learn and produce.
0: That's awesome. uh, now, Meg, where can everybody find you uh, social media wise? Well,
1: I am at Third Child Art, all spelled out, one word. Uh, and that's me on Twitter and Instagram and <laughs> Tumblr. But I haven't been there in a dog's age because
0: saying like quiet. I've got it on there, and I'll like sometimes go scroll, scroll. when we're done. <laughs> uh,
1: so Tumblr is the very epitome of the song "It's Quiet Uptown" from Hamilton. Uh. Yeah. So, and hopefully you can find me here on this podcast. You can also catch me as a recurring guest on Animorphology, uh, which is a podcast that's gone through all the Animorph books. And now I'm there to help them talk about Everworld. And eventually, uh, maybe by the time this episode comes out, you can catch me on the Podcrastinators, which is a media review series that I'm starting up with one of my sisters.
0: Nice. Um, so with the animorphs, which by the way, that was uh, my favorite thing to get every month in the book. It from this Scholastic book club. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the book yeah. orders. It's like, but it, like did, I had that stupid cardboard box thing that you put up sideways and you just stacked them all in there. And they all made a cool uh-huh. thing. Um, okay, speaking of that, I think we're gonna like we've been talking with Chris Grine, who's doing the uh, the graphic novel. The, for the, the graphic animorphs. novels. So. Maybe, if we if we narrow that down, I'll, I'll shoot you a thing. Maybe we can maybe we can make <gasps> that happen. because that. that would be fun too. That just because, like, I'm, my friends, I'm like, hey, yeah, you guys remember Animorphs? I was like, yeah, I remember those books. Like, did you just read them? Like, no. You're like, oh, well, what's the point? Why would you say you remember them?
1: Talk about taking kids seriously. Those books. Wow. <laughs> remember remember that one character that show. Oh, mm -hmm. I haven't watched, I haven't watched a lot of it, but
0: yeah. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't good, but it wasn't terrible. It's rough to do. Yeah. It's it's rough to show kids turning into animals. Like how do we do that with uh, the secret world of Alex Mack type of transformations (laughs) of what we had?
1: I'm shocked at how many real animals they had on that show. I mean, I know CG wasn't an option back then, but I'm like, sir that
0: is an actual bear (laughs) it's like how did you get that (laughs) let lots of cats they 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 like to do cats and anamorphs just because they were like we can just get one of those off the street (laughs) it's like yeah yeah uh, and we'll put uh, the links to all of my stuff in the show notes. If you want to follow her, um, check out what she's doing. You can find that uh, really easily. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh L. Kane. You can find the podcast on Instagram at What's Up Fandom, on Twitter at What's Up Fandom PC for podcast. All of our episodes are available iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and on our website, animationstationpodcast.com. Because I'm lazy and haven't changed it yet. So uh, yeah, uh, thanks to One Out of Ten for the uh, intro and outro. Uh, you can find them in the show notes as well. Give them a listen; they're on Spotify. Uh, and thanks to our good friends over at Wild Bill Soda for sponsoring this episode. Be sure and use code Fandom Ten at checkout to get ten percent off your order. And yeah, fun stuff. Like we, it, it's it's great stuff. Like you got you got soda, you got awesome conversations. Uh, fun times here at what's up fandom that's kind of like a like a toot our own horn type of thing maybe josh cut that out anyway uh (laughs) thanks so much for coming on um so uh for what's up fandom i'm josh i'm meg bye everybody
1: how is that for interpreting a social cue